Good evening. Please open your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 1. If the Lord is pleased, I would like to make this a book of focus for the coming Wednesdays. And I trust it will be a blessing for all God's people to see Christ and Him crucified in this book. Malachi chapter 1. Now I'll be reading the chapter in its entirety this evening, but we'll just be looking at the three, the first five verses of Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? saith the Lord, yet I have loved Jacob. And I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom saith, We are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, They shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is mine honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you. O priests that despise my name, and ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold what a weariness it is, what a weariness it is it, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick, thus ye brought an offering, should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, and sacrificeth unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. This evening, if the Lord be pleased, I would like to hold to your view once again the blessed person and finished saving work of our dear Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, looking at three things in our portion. The Lord's message, the Lord's messenger, the Lord's motive, and lastly, the Lord be magnified. Now, looking at this portion, there is, in verse 5, a phrase that, if the Lord be pleased to bless it, you'll be comforted much this evening. And that expression is here, your eyes shall see. Your eyes shall see. It's very often when you hear about the testimonies of how the Lord saves his people, he just takes a few of his words and blesses it with the power of his spirit. 
and you'll hear testimony after testimony. <laughs> it was those words that the Lord blessed to my salvation. Now this expression here, and I've taken it as the title of my message, your eyes shall see and ye shall say the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. I pray the Lord would teach his people this evening as we look at these first five verses as we go through it. We'll look at that verse again towards the end of our time together. Now there are only two groups of people in the world. Only two. The language of our Lord makes this distinction very plain and clear. He refers to them as those who are his sheep and those who are not. My sheep, he says, and to those who do not believe, he explains their unbelief. Thusly, they are not my sheep. His sheep are those who have ears to hear, and those who are not his sheep do not have ears to hear. Those who are and will be born again by his quickening power, by his spirit, and those who have merely had a false conversion experience in the free will religion of man. Our Lord tells us plainly that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Praise the Lord, he teaches us not to have any confidence in our flesh, but to ever trace our believing back to his quickening spirit. That which is born of the spirit, beloved, is spirit. If you are not quickened by God's spirit, you will ever be among those who are typified in our text as the descendants of Esau, Edom, those who are after the similitude of Esau, those who cannot and will not believe Christ. And then we have in our portion here the other, the other uh, blessed people here of God's people, those who are of Jacob, those who have been made willing in the day of his power, and here in the first chapter of Malachi, they are declared to be those that shall see and shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Beloved, in this first chapter of Malachi, we have set forth before us God's distinguishing grace in Christ. God has taught us how Christ is magnified through the gospel. And it's good news, beloved. All Israel will be saved. All Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. All God's elect in Christ, all those who are found in God's blessed border of his distinguishing grace in Christ, shall see and shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Not one. Not one, not a single one of his blessed people will be lost. Not one true Israelite, whether that person be Jew or Gentile, will God fail to save. There can never be, for our Lord will only be magnified in accomplishing his Father's will. Do you remember his Father's will, beloved? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, declared, This is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I shall lose nothing. This is the will of him that sent me, he continued, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. God's grace in Christ will make us to see sooner or later. If we be God's elect in Christ, as our text makes it emphatic, shall see, <laughs> shall see. It's not a small thing, beloved. If you can see that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is a sovereign, successful Savior who shall not fail. This text speaks of you, beloved, for you shall see and you do see. You shall see the Lord glorified, mighty to save, mighty to accomplish his Father's purpose by his grace. Tis it not grace to hear, I have loved you, and know none of his love is deserved, Yet he lavishes upon us in Christ. He saves Jacob and all his sons, which typifies very well for us the elect in Christ in our portion here. But it is not so for the reprobate, for those after the similitude of Esau. For our Lord says of Esau and his sons, Edom, I hated Esau. 
a people against whom my indignation is forever. There are only two categories of people in the visible church today, beloved. Those who believe for a time, and because of their evil, unbelieving heart, they fall away from the living God. Publicly or privately, they show themselves to be among the sons of Esau, Edom, and those who are actually born from above. Those who God have has loved with an everlasting love. When God gives a sinner a new good heart, given from above, born from above, he gives that sinner a new open heart that will believe to the end. Because his child has been made a recipient of his divine power, making him a son of God, a true Israelite, a true son of Jacob. It is only the evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. If your birth be from above, you cannot, you will not lose your salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ declared, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. God's people see and say the Lord is magnified. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen. Not as those of the similitude of Esau, who say yea and nay to Christ's comforting promise that his own shall never perish. I pray you will receive comfort in and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ this evening. The Lord Jesus Christ shed his precious blood for only two types of people in the world. Only two types. Lost sheep and found sheep. (laughs) And in his time, he will have all of his sheep to be saved. From eternity, God has purposed to save all of his elect people. Right now, at this moment in time, the Lord Jesus Christ is specially the Savior of his found sheep. Please pray for those that the Lord uses to seek out the lost sheep for whom he died. And rejoice as the Father reveals his darling Son to each and every one of his elect for the preaching of of his gospel. All that we see here in this verse 5 is that the Lord will be magnified, the Lord will be glorified in the salvation of his people. Now, in verse 1, we read this expression. The burden of the word of the Lord. Well, whose word is it? It is the word of the Lord. And, beloved, it has a burden. Now, the word burden does not speak of things heavy or distressing, but rather it speaks of the unspeakable weight of the comfort it shall and must bring to God's people. God's glory for his own namesake is connected with it. The Lord's word is nothing like the word of man. Man's word is idle. It accomplishes nothing. And what can you say about a car that is idling? <laughs> it's, going, it's not going anywhere. Absolutely nowhere. And so it is with the word of man. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 12. Pick up reading in verse 35. Our Lord declares, A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So what is an idle word? It is a word that does not conform to the word of the Lord. If you ever hear a man declare that God wants to save everybody, you just heard an idle word. Our Lord said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And all who come to me I shall in no wise cast out. Beloved, the words of our dear Lord are lovingly etched in your heart by the Holy Spirit. All those who come to him shall in no wise be cast out. That's my only hope. 
that I have come to him. And he tells his beloved people, all who come to me I shall in no wise cast out. And then this blessed word, shall. This word, shall, can only pertain to our Lord and God, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot use this word, shall, with anyone else but God. Only with him is his word sure and certain with respect to what he will do. But with respect to men, no one can say shall, (laughs) ever. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he shall save his people from their sins. The Lord declares the weight of the burden of his word when he tells us by his prophet, he will save us. (laughs) The Lord declares the weight and the burden of his word when he tells us by the angel, he shall save his people. The Lord declares the weight and the burden of his word when he tells us by, the, his, by his apostle. By his apostle. I believe it. I know you who believe on Christ here this evening. I know you can say with me, Lord, I believe it. Help my unbelief. But oh, how much more clear it is from the apostle. <laughs> he hath saved us, beloved. Now, what does his word accomplish? Beloved, the word of the Lord is not idle. It's not idle. His word is active. The word of the Lord has a burden. And what does this mean? Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Again, reading in verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing wherein I sent it. Our Lord and God tells us his word shall accomplish that which I please, that which pleases him. Well, what pleases the Lord? To what is this referring to? Beloved is referring to the salvation of God's Israel, the sons of Jacob, the church in Christ. Every elect Jew and Gentile, God purposed to save by his grace in Christ, and every one of them will and shall be saved. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3 Blessed be the Lord and God, and blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, the beloved Son of God, Jesus Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Beloved, our Lord declares that his word shall accomplish that which he pleases, that it shall prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. To whom does he send his word? Our text plainly tells us, to Israel. And tis his burden, beloved, to bless and to save Israel. If you continue reading in Isaiah, there in Isaiah 55, 
speaks of how the Lord is pleased to bless Israel, to bless the sons of Jacob, all his elect in Christ. Ye shall go out with joy. Verse 12, Isaiah 55, verse 12. Ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and, in, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. That sounds an awfully lot like we know. <laughs> all things work together for good for those who love God, the, the called according to his purpose. All these things speak of his burden, his purpose, his pleasure to save his people, to lead forth with peace and to go out with joy. True Israel, the church of Christ. To whom does he send his word with this burden? He sends it to his church, the true Israel of God. Now, let's turn back to Malachi here. We've just looked at the first part of verse 1. And we see here not only is this word and burden to Israel, but it is by Malachi. Now the name of Malachi is very instructive, and it speaks sweetly of God's saving providence, in that Malachi means my messenger. O oh, beloved, the undeserved privilege we have as we go out in the Lord's providence, in and by his power, that he would cause Israel to pass by and make us his messengers. Now, I know you know I'm not saying that we're all called to go behind a pulpit and be a pastor, but we're all his witnesses. We all give testimony. And in that sense, what a blessing to be made his Malachi. Malachi means my messenger, not just any messenger, beloved, but his messenger. And I pray that the Lord would use us in New Canny, in Houston, to bring the burden of the word of the Lord to God's Israel. To being the burden of the word of the Lord, to, to bring the burden of the word of the Lord to Jerusalem and tell her plainly and distinctly, just as another man sent of God spoke plainly and distinctly, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't uh, it wonderful to hear a man sent of the Lord? Man said to the Lord, declares just that. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's not a message of behold my argument that takes away your thinking. <laughs> behold him, beloved. This is the gospel of God's comfort for his people. Beholding by God's grace his promised Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. To speak comfort to the hearts he opens in his people. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem. And cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. What, what good news it is, beloved. What a blessed meaning is here contained for God's people to look at Malachi and know that that means my messenger. Lord, make me your messenger. I don't want to speak my words. I want to speak your words. It's his words that he blesses with his power. What a blessed meaning. My messenger. Not merely that he was a messenger, but to have the Lord say of him, Malachi, my messenger. May the Lord be pleased to make us his Malachi's in Houston for Christ's sake and the good of his people. Now when you look at here, verse 2, we've just looked at the Lord's message and we've looked at the Lord's messenger. Beginning here in verse 2, I believe we can see the Lord's motive. It says here in verse 2, I have loved you, saith the Lord. The Lord has sent his message, the message of the Lord. He has sent his messenger, the messenger of the Lord. And why is that, beloved? It's such a blessed gospel. 
Uh, let me put it to you another way. How is it that a eunuch is in the middle of the desert and the Lord sends Philip to him? Why is he there? I have loved you, saith the Lord. I have loved you. Now, there are false preachers that go around saying God loves you as though God loved everyone. And I know you know better than that, beloved. In fact, uh, the, the brother uh, that I'm going to speak about knows who I'm talking about. <laughs> but he, uh, he was gossiping about David Edmondson. Good gossip. Can you imagine on the back of the ark some horrible taunting lie smile God loves you as it floated by I will never tell everyone that God loves you but I will tell you what will happen to you if God loves you if God loves you he'll so love you that he'll put you into the light of his beloved son that you might see what you are and your desperate need for Christ and he won't leave you there He'll effectually call you to come to Christ. This is what our Lord has taught us. He said, I'm going to send the Spirit of Truth, the Comforter, that's going to proceed from the Father, and He is going to testify of me. In another place, He says, as is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God, and I'll hear the Father and learn of Him. Come to me. (laughs) What a blessing it is to trace back to God's throne of grace, the reason why we believe. Now, I really want you to notice what a blessing is here contained, not only in that God says, I have loved you, but, oh, beloved, here in verse 2 is a great blessing contained for God's people. For in verse 2, we not only hear, I have loved you, but our dear Lord condescends to tell us and encourage us that he has loved us by his messenger. I have loved you, And then to encourage his people, he says, saith the Lord. (laughs) I don't want to hear any man tell me God loves me. I want to hear the Lord say, I have loved you, so I say. (laughs) Beloved, God's love is a distinguishing love. And it is figured here as love for Jacob in our text. A love for Israel. A love for all the sons of Jacob which is a shadow, a type of the reality of God's elect in Christ. Beloved in Christ, our God tells us plainly and sweetly here that He has loved us. And as you continue in verse 2, we read this, these verses, these words rather, Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Saith the Lord, Yet I loved Jacob. Spiritually considered, This sets forth the gospel of God's distinguishing grace in Christ. For just as God gave Jacob the temporal birthright and blessing, and all the advantages that arose with that, but much more, beloved, by choosing him to everlasting life. For these twins, Jacob and Esau, not having been born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Turn with me over to Romans 9. That's where I'm, I'm citing from, Romans chapter 9. <clears throat> and this is where the apostle is citing from, from Malachi. Well, Pick up reading in verse 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is therefore unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth. Our salvation is not by the will of the flesh. It's not by what we will. It's by God's good pleasure, what he has willed. And it continues, nor of him that runneth, it's not through the efforts of our flesh, but beloved, it is of God that showeth mercy. God's distinguishing grace in Christ chose Jacob, revealing Christ unto him and in him, making him a blessed partaker of eternal happiness. 
and not only Jacob, but spiritually speaking, all of his sons. For all of God's elect, all of God's redeemed, all of God's called go by the name of Jacob. And everything true of Jacob is true of all God's precious people in Christ. The Apostle Paul speaks of the portion in Malachi to reveal and declare the sovereign, distinguishing love of God to his people in both their election and their sure salvation. What grace it is, beloved, that God's love to his people, the Jacobs of this world, who by nature are those who would supplant God's reign, those who are his enemies by nature. Jacob means supplanter. In spite of all these things about Jacob, and you, you know who you are, Jacob. <laughs> you know who you are. It's not difficult to look back and see how it was for so long you held a fist to heaven as a child of wrath saying no to his reign. But praise, praise be to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sent into this world to give his life a ransom for sinners. As the apostles said, a true and faithful saying worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save Jacob. <laughs> all the Jacobs, all the sinners that God has purposed to save in Christ Jesus. The apostle clearly shows us that God had chosen Jacob before either Jacob and Esau had done either good or evil. This shows us that God's reason, his motive, his, his good pleasure for saving Jacob did not arise from any goodness in Jacob or any works done by him. The choice of God's people, God's Jacob to everlasting life is not of works, but entirely of God's free and sovereign grace in Christ. God's love to men is distinguishing. It is not alike to all men. And our Lord plainly taught this, but only his people have ears to hear it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, and I pray the Lord would, would instruct you. He talks about a multitude here that come before him who spout off what they've done for him. They, we've done this for you. We've done that for you. Verse 21 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Our Lord and our Savior, our God, declares these words, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. This expression here, never knew you, is much more than just knowing. It is an expression of intimacy. It is an expression of, of love. I never knew you. It's a very solemn passage, beloved. There are many in front of the Lord on this day who cry out, I preached in thy name. I cast out evil demons in thy name. I, uh, I did many wonderful works in thy name. I handed out gospel literature. They go on and on, saying, Lord, Lord, in pretense. They're trusting in their own works to save themselves. And the Lord plainly declares to them, if I may use our text, that they are Esau, that they are Edom. And he is plainly telling them by saying, I never knew you. I never loved you. I wasn't sent here for you. I'm not going to go to the cross for you. I never went to the cross for you. I didn't shed my blood for you. I never knew you. Esau, I never knew you. This multitude spoken of by the Lord are those typified in our portion in Malachi. Let's turn back there and, and see what this says of Esau. The prophet Malachi declares here the word of the Lord. Verse 3, I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness, whereas Edom saith, Edom is, is uh, speaking of the descendants of Esau, we are impoverished. We will return and build the desolate places. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, they shall build, but I will throw down, and they shall call them the border of wickedness, 
and the people against whom the Lord hath indignation forever. I'll turn back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, and continue reading there. This throwing down is but a shadow of the plain teaching of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he speaks about those Esau's of the world, those who would be considered the sons of Edom, or Esau, rather, Edom. Matthew, chapter 7. And we continue reading. And then while I profess unto them, verse 23, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. It was founded upon the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The Lord declares, I will throw down. I will throw down. Never forget it, beloved. Those who are not founded upon the rock of Christ, God will throw down. And what does this throwing down speak of? It speaks of the pretended righteousness that people throw up before the Lord. I did this. I did that. God's Israel is not about trying to prepare her place. For her Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, has prepared our place. Beloved, He has prepared our place. Our Lord declares, let your, not, let your heart be, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled, troubled, beloved. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Beloved, he has prepared a place upon the rock of his blessed person and finished saving work. And he declares to all his people, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Beloved, on the cross he prepared a place for us, all his people. The reprobate are pictured for us through Esau and those after him, Edom. They are ever trying to establish a place for themselves in their own strength, through their own righteousness, or so-called righteousness, apart from the Lord. Though they may in pretense say, Lord, Lord, God has left them to their stony hearts. They know nothing of the grace of God, of God's knowing them in Christ, but His everlasting love, they know nothing of it. They know nothing of this everlasting love that never changeth. God's word declares, except the Lord keep... Well, let's turn with me to uh, Psalm chapter 127. Psalm 127. Edom typifying the reprobate in our text in Malachi. Go about to rebuild... And our Lord condescends to tell us very plainly, except the Lord build the house, except for the Lord establish righteousness on behalf of his people, they labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The Lord Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our salvation. He is all our righteousness. Except the Lord keep us, it is vanity. Certainly for that man who is vainly thinking that he keeps himself in Christ, when in reality he never once saw or heard Christ, how fearful and terrible it would be to hear, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I never loved you. But, beloved, don't fret. You who hear his voice 
He said, All that the Father giveth me to redeem and keep, I shall lose none. Now, uh, I got a few more pages here. Um, But as I said at the start, there's only a few words here that I pray the Lord will bless to the hearts of his people. And we'll look at this verse again that we looked at at the beginning of my message. We've looked at the Lord's message, the Lord's messenger, the Lord's motive. But lastly here, I would like most importantly to see how it is that the Lord be magnified. Come with me back to Malachi chapter 1. And we'll look at this verse that I touched upon at the beginning of my message. Beloved, in this first chapter of Malachi, we have set forth before us God's distinguishing grace in Christ. God has taught us how Christ is magnified through the gospel and its good news. All Israel will be saved. All Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob, hear me. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin, was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What good news. The Deliverer shall turn away godliness from Jacob. (laughs) There's no ungodliness in you, beloved. By Christ's doing and dying, you are godly in Him. All God's elect in Christ, all those who are found in the blessed border of God's distinguishing grace in Christ, shall see and shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Not one. (laughs) If the Lord has taught you, you know this. He's a sovereign, successful Savior. Not one of His precious people will be lost. Not one true Israelite, whether that Israelite, and I say true Israelite, don't don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about some little country in the Middle East called Israel. I'm talking about God's Israel, the elect amongst the Jews and the elect amongst the Gentiles. Not one will He fail to save. That can never be. For our Lord will only be magnified in accomplishing His Father's will. This is what this last verse speaks about, beloved. How is it that you know that the Lord shall not fail? (laughs) How is it that you see that He is magnified and that He will not lose one? That is His glory. From the Old Testament to the New, we hear Moses begging, Please show me your glory. And Jehovah says, I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. And there will be no surprises to to me as to who is saved and who is not. Our Lord declares, This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Oh, how I pray you may hear him, friend. I know all God's beloved people hear Him. (laughs) It's not a small thing. It's a miracle to hear Him and believe Him. Hear Him, beloved, and rest. Don't hear it. I'm not preaching an it. I'm not preaching uh, theological ideas. I'm preaching a person. Hear Him. (laughs) I never tire of telling it very plainly. Hey, do you know what the Father's will is? Does anybody want to hear what the Father's will is? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, declared it very plainly. And it's the gospel of my hope. It's the gospel of my salvation. That of all that the Father has given him in covenant arrangement, the Son has blessedly, victoriously saved in covenant engagement. Oh, hear him. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son... Your eyes shall see, beloved. (laughs) You're going to see the glory of the Lord. Everyone that seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. 
God's grace in Christ will make us to see sooner or later if we be God's elect in Christ, as our text makes very plainly in verse 5, your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. We shall see and shall say, beloved, the Lord be magnified, the Lord be glorified. He is mighty to save, mighty to accomplish his Father's purpose. By his grace, tis it not grace to hear, I have loved you, and have him by the weight and burden say to you, He has loved you, saith the Lord. It's remarkable when you think about how it is that none of his loved love in Christ is deserved. None of it. And uh, it's not only that we have no merit. It's much, it's much worse than that. We have nothing but demerit to bring to him. That's what makes that grace that he gives to his people that much more amazing. He lavishes it upon us in Christ. He saves Jacob and all his sons, which typifies for us very well beloved all his elect shall be saved magnify the Lord praise the Lord and turn with me to well I won't go to the reference right now ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses blotting out all the handwriting of ordinances that was against us all we are in of ourselves is a long list of demerits all those things all those demerits and they're real things beloved they're not just it's not something abstract all of those sins, all of those transgressions was that were contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. This triumph is speaking about how our Lord and Savior shall save his people. Not one of his people will be lost. Can you think of it? It's, it's, uh, it's wrong to even think about it. But Satan is not going to be able to mock our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, saying, I have one of your precious sheep in hell with me. It's absurd. And how is it that you know that the Lord shall save his people? Well, the Lord talks about how he will have all his people to be saved. He says, as it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God. And all who hear the Father and learn of him come to me, he says. I pray it was the Lord's good pleasure to comfort his people once again this evening. We looked at the Lord's message. The Lord declares the weight and the burden of his word when he tells us by the apostle, he has saved us. The Lord's messenger. Malachi means my messenger. I pray it's true for all who believe on Christ that the Lord will be pleased to condescend and spend us for his glory. Spend us as he sees fit. We pray, Lord, do thy will on earth as it is heaven, according to your holy will and purpose in Christ Jesus. Save your people. Call your people from the world and gather them in together into the body of your Son. And not only that we've seen the Lord's messenger, my messenger is what Malachi means, but the Lord's motive. The Lord has sent his message he has sent his messenger. And why is that, beloved? Oh, the blessed gospel. It is true. The Lord's motive. God has loved us with an everlasting love. In the gospel of Christ, he has saved us and called us not according to our works, but according to his purpose and grace given us in Christ Jesus before the world 
began before the foundation of the world. And lastly, the Lord, the Lord be magnified. All God's elect in Christ, all those who are found in the blessed border of God's distinguishing grace in Christ, shall see and shall say, the Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. Not one of his people will be lost. Beloved Israel, you shall see, and I trust you do see. Israel, you sons of Jacob, the Lord has told us, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. I uh, I know I'm not alone where you have family and friends, <laughs> co-workers, and you want the Lord to make himself known to people that we care about, people we're friendly with, people we love and, and, and want the best for. But how blessed it is to hear the reason why you believe. It says it right here. Our Lord declares it very plainly. It is given to you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, what is it to be without but to be outside of God's distinguishing border of grace? not found in the border of Israel, those without. All those that are without the border of Israel, these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, least at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. God give you grace to know the mystery of the kingdom of God and the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Amen.